You're listening to the System Save Me podcast, episode number 182. Today, we're going to be talking about how to position your business to book corporate clients. So stay tuned. Hey, I'm Jordan, and my business love language is efficiency, because who doesn't want to sip pina coladas on the beach while your business runs on autopilot? We're here to help overworked one-woman shows become streamlined solopreneurs. And now with over 150,000 downloads, this is the System Save Me podcast. Hey, hey, y'all. I'm so thrilled to have this guest on. She's talking about something that I haven't had on the podcast yet, which I love to touch on new topics and new ways of doing business. And I believe that her, she's such a fascinating person. And I know that you will find her that way as well. So I'm just going to go ahead and introduce her already. Hey, Miss Amber, how are you? I'm great. Thanks. How are you? Oh, I'm doing pretty well. Can't complain, at least for the next 35 minutes that we're going to be talking. So, <laughs> <laughs> but before we get into really talking about how people can position themselves for booking corporate clients, tell us a little bit about you and your businesses, because there's kind of a lot going on over there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I am the founder and CEO of AE Corporation, which is a conglomerate of family-owned businesses that really focused on the expansion of businesses through the organizational development side of things. So more so the people side of things and the processes. So we have companies, total of four now, we've consolidated a lot, but we have four companies under the AAE family. We do everything from headhunting all the way to taking over entire HR departments. Which is awesome. I think you had seven before? We did. And we ended up closing to our collection agency and we ended up closing down our firm that focused on BAs because we just moved it under recruit aid. So yeah. Yeah. Lots of fun shifts. I like it. So again, this is such a topic that I feel so not you know, zero skills in this particular topic. And so, and I know that people are getting more and more interested in it because of the shifts in the environment, the shifts in how corporate is going to move forward, come, you know, the transition out of COVID-19, whatever that happens. And so I thought it would be really timely and really awesome for you to come in and speak on your ability to position yourself for booking for corporate clients. So before you became the expert, obviously you had to learn a few things and your clients have to learn a few things. And so kind of walk us through what it was like in your business first before you kind of implemented this and maybe you were trying to book corporate clients and it just wasn't flying. So what was that like? You know, for me, my very first company was corporate focused. It was B2B. So for me, it was what I knew. I didn't really know B2C as well as I knew B2B. And when we sold our book of business of our first company, I just thought, I'll just do coaching just to help some friends. And it grew into its own like kind of beast of a business, which I loved because I loved helping people and coming up with programs to help people. I'm a corporate trainer at heart. And so all of that just gets me really excited. But I started to have that longing to go back to corporate. And I realized that B2C is a lot of work. Like focusing on consumers is so much work. Like you work your behind off to get, you know, a handful of sales where even at, you know, my top tier coaching would be 50K a year. 
So you work your booty off and you get that particular contract, but then you're still having to work throughout the year. And it was just a lot of hustle and grind. And anyone who knows me knows I'm never a fan of hustle or grind. (laughs) I'm not. And so we decided to go back to our roots. Like, let's just focus on corporate again and let's pivot and shift. I think our biggest obstacle that we ran into was how do we honor the brand that we've built under A Square Coach, which is the name of the company? How do we honor that brand that we've built and transition it into a B2B focus, a corporate focus company without giving people whiplash, without creating brand confusion, you know, without all the things that come with, you know, shifting your brand totally. And so for us, it really was a matter of we needed it to be a transition. We couldn't jump from, you know, A to Z immediately. We had to build out a roadmap, so to speak, of how are we going to do less and less B2C and more and more B2B? How do we establish ourselves as experts in B2B when we've been so consumer focused before? You know, one of the things that we ran into was we would reach out to organizations and they'd say, oh, But Amber Aziza is a coach and we don't do that like online business coaching. We don't need that. And so it was almost a stigma. Well, it's not almost, there is a stigma attached, you know, in the corporate world to online business coaches as kind of being like a scam or like this is something that's not real or something that, you know, you're just teaching people basic stuff that we already know and charging them a ton of money. And so there's all that with it. So it was very difficult for us to make that transition. So what we learned, I guess the biggest takeaway from that process for us was to pull me out of it, to make it less of Amber Aziz's company is coming to, you know, help you consult to AE Corporation is coming. And so we changed the name of the company because A squared was Amber Aziz AA. We changed the name of the company. We changed the branding of the company. We took me out of the branding for the company and had to make me no longer the focus of, you know, because A squared around me, because <laughs> that was what I needed, right? Yeah. <laughs> but for B2B, we had to pull Amber Aziza out of the spotlight and push the company into the spotlight. So we have corporate clients who probably couldn't even tell you what my name was if, you know, if you made them, they'd be like, I don't know, why would I need to know who the CEO is? Like, right, they just help us. We work with their team. Right, exactly. So that was a big transition for me. And it's still to this day, sometimes difficult to not lead with the amber foot, as my team says, but instead leading with corporate foot. We're just an entity and I happen to be CEO. That's a big shift. Yeah, huge. Definitely. Because when you build like a personal brand, like your face, your name, like that's all you got, like for a long, yeah. you know. <laughs> so that's super interesting. And do your clients tend to have a difficulty with that too when they start to reposition themselves for corporate as well? Definitely is disassociating themselves from that online business world, which is so funny because, you know, in the times that we're in, online businesses are actually, you know, doing pretty well and thriving. And it's the brick and mortar corporate office folks that are struggling a bit, but they still have that stigma that, you know, online business is, you know, not real. And so that disassociation is difficult when you're making that transition, but it's necessary. Yep. I love that. Do you find that a lot of your clients have to change? Like if they are, right, Amber Aziza, Jordan Gill, their name Mm -hmm. do you find that that's usually one of like the main things that they have to do or one of the like 
first things they have to do is look at how to change their name to a more broad, I guess, stroke of folks, I guess. Yeah. You know, if they want to scale and they want to remain sustainable, they'll have to because the name of the game with corporations is the ability to scale and to grow. And so if I'm going in as Amber Aziza, the brand, then they're going to expect Amber Aziza to show up every time. But if I hit a point where I can't show up to all the clients, and so now we start adding new consultants, and if Amber Aziza doesn't show up, it becomes problematic because that's who they've come to expect is supposed to be there. So if you're wanting to scale and you want to, you know, expand your business, then yeah, you're going to have to pull you out of it. Mm, I love that. I mean, it's just, you know, it's clear because I think in like personal brand land, like my business assistant saved me. So it is not my name. I have never, ever, ever wanted it to be my name because I was, you know, I'm the back end girl. Like I just like to just play around with stuff. And so I've always sort of known that I didn't want it to be all about me. However, right now it's like, that's the name, right? And like system saved me is the name, but also people do know me as Jordan and Jordan of System Save Me. So I could see that that being a really interesting pivot for a lot of your clients that go from kind of the personal brand online business to uh, corporate stuff. But let's get into like all of the steps of really how can we start to position ourselves to start booking corporate clients, whether it be for services like, you know, again, corporates having to deal with like remote team stuff. And so I'm sure you're getting inundated with all sorts of stuff when it comes to that, or it could be about leadership or finances or whatever their expertise is. But what are the steps people have to start taking if they want to start going down that path? Absolutely. So the first thing I would recommend folks to do is to look to see if they can actually transition their offer, their current offering to just be corporate friendly. It does not take reinventing the wheel, so to speak. I think a lot of people get it in their heads that I have to create all new products. I have to create all new things. I have to do all this extra work when really it's just taking your current product determining, okay, what's the current outcome? So generally for corporations, they want to see one of six outcomes, either revenue, productivity, cost change, good public relations, increased consumers, or employee engagement. Those are, if you can hit any of those six areas, you've got corporate's attention. So look at your current offer. Can you make it have one of those outcomes? And especially if you're already working with entrepreneurs or small businesses, then you probably likely already are creating those products that have those specific outcomes. So once you determine, okay, I can hit one of those six outcomes, then you need to determine, okay, so why would a company want to buy? Same as a consumer. So look at the reasons that your B2C clients are buying. Why are they looking at your products and purchasing from you? Their reasoning is usually emotionally based, right? Because it's my money. I have a personal attachment to it. So if you don't evoke any level of emotion, then I'm going to struggle to want to buy. Whereas with corporations themselves, they, the person buying it likely is not someone whose pocket it's coming out of. So they're spending with someone else's money. So what they want to know is how does this make me look good? If I spend this money and results, what outcome are you going to do that's out of those six that's going to make me shine like a star, 
right? So that's what you have to appeal to. So B2C is appealing to emotion. B2B is appealing more to ego. And so once you can determine how to pivot your offer so that you can focus on one of those outcomes and shift the focus of the marketing from emotion to ego, you'll find that it actually will be relatively easy for you to make pitches to organizations and at least get your foot in the door with a proposal meeting. Have you been dying to create a VIP day or virtual intensive offering, but are stuck in overthinking everything? You love what you do and how you support your clients, but lately it's become, well, too much. You may even be hitting your monthly revenue goals, but you're left completely exhausted. Yeah, been there, bought the t-shirt and the mug. Good news, I built my virtual VIP day bootcamp that walks you through the nine steps to create and selling a one day virtual intensive. Grab the podcast only pricing of $37 for this two hour training plus tons of bonuses to build and sell your own one day virtual intensive. Since 2016, I've completely replaced monthly retainers with one day virtual intensives and VIP weekends. So join me and stop dealing with the late night slack pings, lacking control over your own calendar, chasing invoices, explaining scope creep again, you kept my drift. Head on over to systemsamey.com slash pod bootcamp. That's P-O-D-B-O-O-T-C-A-M-P and grab the goods. All right, back to the episode. I think that is what is the scariest part is like when you're B2C, it's like, I know who's paying for it. And so when you go into corporate, like it's just somebody in the financial department that like swipes a credit card, but it's usually what an HR department or who's the departments that are making those decisions. So it really depends on what your product is specifically and who it helps because each department has their own budget. Each department has their own credit card and their own spending limit. So nine times out of 10, if you are offering a product that's HR focused. So like it's a training or workshop or it helps with employee engagement, those type of things or coaching, executive coaching is still very much a thing. Those kind of things would be handled by HR. But say, for example, you had a system that you were selling that you were able to tweak it a bit and make it more corporate friendly, but maybe it helps them reduce their cost of their products or maybe it helps them reduce the cost of shipping that's going to be something that operations is going to want to be interested in. So you really have to know what department your product serves so that you can really determine if that indeed is the department that you would need to reach out to. Mm, Yeah, that totally makes sense. As someone who's never stepped foot in corporate, this is very great because, you know, I don't know how it all works in there. Like (laughs) I went to Southwest Airlines for the first time and that was my first time ever going into a corporate office. And I was like, Oh, there are cubicles everywhere. (laughs) Like this is vast lands of cubicles. Like it is the land of cubicles. (laughs) (laughs) Like you picture it and you know, I picture like a normal-ish sized room with just a few cubicles and like, you know, no, this is, there's, I don't even know, hundreds (laughs) it seems like. And I was like, okay, yeah, I just like my home office. Like I don't, this is never going to be for me. (laughs) So it's interesting because, you know, there's the dynamics that when you work in corporate, I'm sure like this is how you view it. And then when you pull back and are actually looking at corporate as a business function that you want to become a client, you have to look at it another way. Do you find that 
your clients and people that you help who have corporate expertise, do you find that they are able, like corporate experience, do you find that they understand like the corporate dynamic of the financials or do you, are there things that you found to be super helpful that they aren't necessarily thinking about? You know, it's kind of a mixed bag, but I will tell you this, that my clients who have never stepped foot in corporations tend to have an easier way of it with the mindset of pitching the corporations than those who have, because those who have means that they left corporate, right? They left corporate and they're like, I'm never doing things like they do it, never, you're down with the man. And now here they are trying to pivot their products to the same system that they didn't love. And so it makes it sometimes difficult for them to mentally make that leap. But I will say that in terms of understanding the inner workings, no one ever does. Unless you were an actual executive who had to create a budget, who had to get that budget approved, who had to, you know, submit your budget to a board. Most times, most people really don't understand what that process is like or what obstacles they're going to run into, so how to address them. Fortunately for me, I became executive very young. So I was 23 24 when I had my first executive position. And so for me, I remember having to submit my budget, it getting redlined, having to go back in, find a cheaper option, you know, and the back and forth of it all and vendors calling me and knowing what was going to motivate me versus what wasn't. And so that's what I try to do with my clients is guide them through that so that they aren't stressed out because a lot of people think, you know, well, I've submitted this beautiful proposal. They seemed really interested. And then they said, no. And it's like, okay, well, did you ever ask them about their budget? Do you know what the reason they said no was? Because they're just like one-on-one. They're not going to tell you why they're saying no unless it's absolutely asked. And so just saying, you know, okay, what's going on? What happened? And finding out, oh, it wasn't in their budget or, oh, we were looking more for Q4. That's another thing to consider is, you know, what time of year are they looking to have these things? It's not going to be immediate just because I'm talking to you now. Sometimes it's I'm getting an idea of how much this is going to cost so I can submit it in my budget proposal so that it can then be approved and then I can buy from you. So you're talking about sometimes a year from the time you actually pitched to the time that you booked the client. You know, that's pretty common, actually. You know, sometimes it's literally that same week or that same day. But usually you're talking anywhere from 90 days up to a year. I can't even like fathom like (laughs) talking to somebody and then a year later we're doing something. I'm like, let's just do it now. Like, (laughs) come on. So patience apparently needs to be part of this equation as well. (laughs) Absolutely. Must have an an endless amount of patience. Yeah, absolutely. Is there, you talked about seasons and timing. Are there better times to do your pitching? Do most corporate budgets, you know, end in July, in December? Like I've heard different things and maybe it is super specific to that corporation, but are there general times that you found better success in pitching? I find that, you know, end of summer is always really good. Usually back to school time around that time is really good to submit proposals as the majority of companies in their fiscal year in December. However, there are 
many companies that do not in their fiscal year in December, meaning that when they're submitting budgets and whatnot, it's a random time of year based upon when they started their fiscal year. So like here in the state of Tennessee, you can change your fiscal year if you're an S-corp or above, you can change your fiscal year to match when you actually started the business. So like our fiscal year doesn't even end, well, our fiscal year ends this month, month in April, but you know, if someone were pitching to one of our executives and said, hey, you know, we want to know if you want to use us. If their budget has already been approved for the next year, they're either going to have to ask for an outlier budget or they're going to have to wait until the next year. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you find that your clients tend to like if they're going into corporate and wanting the corporate clients, do they go back to their like previous corporate employers? Cause I've heard a few of my friends who their first clients when they left their corporation ended up being that exact corporation, but just in a client sense. Do you find that pretty often? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, even when I was doing B2C, I would get approached by folks from my last company I'd worked with or the company I'd worked with prior that said, hey, do you want to come back? We want to hire you to do this. So absolutely, because there's benefit for you and for them. The benefit for them is they don't have to pay you the benefits that they were paying you when you were a full-time employee. So it's actually cheaper for them when people sit down and actually, I find that when people hire their first full-time employee, they start to see like, Hey, my company was paying a lot of money for me. just in general, beyond my salary. (laughs) So, you know, there's that freedom for them that, oh, we don't have to pay all of that extra money. We can just pay you to get the job done that we need you to get done. And then there's freedom for you in that you can take other clients, you know, you can focus on other things and you usually can make your own schedule as well. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense from that standpoint of like, I forget about like the employer of just like, people are like, "Ah, they're only giving me $30,000 or $50,000. I'm like, no boo boo (laughs) they are giving you all sorts of benefits that they're paid for and it's a lot and so there is benefits to them hiring you back on in a client capacity so that's super interesting that you tend to see that pretty often and that you've experienced it too and so with that you know are there tools that you suggest people use for outreach or even like i see all the time all these conferences about getting corporate clients like I see that as a tool in the tool belt as well. So anything that you would suggest people check out or use or go to in the sense of a conference, if they are interested in really pursuing this path. So I would say that in terms of tools, you want to make sure that A, you have the team, the systems in place for your team to be able to handle supporting a corporate client. And a big piece of that is knowing what kind of corporate client you're trying to reach. Because if you're going to, let's say, for example, you're going to a former client of ours, UHC, you're talking about tens of thousands of employees internationally. One person company is not logistically set up to support that. Don't kid yourself. Don't play yourself. Don't, you know, because we try to do this, you know, one person can make a difference. Absolutely. But at a 10,000 person company, I don't care what it is you're offering. There's nothing that you can offer that's going to support that company to its proper, you know, needs. But that does not mean that you can't go to corporations. Corporations can be anything with a company that has zero to 50 employees. So, you know, 
you have to understand what size company and all of that. So make sure you have the team in place and the systems in place that you need and processes. Highly recommend having a remote team that can really work fast and nimble for you. I would say pick up the book, How to Get a Meeting with Anyone by Stu Heineke. It is a great book. It talks about how to have those corporate conversations. So one of the things he focuses on is, you know, you have to pick up the phone. So maybe if the phone is a thing that you, online, we don't have to do the phone as much, right? It's like a hop on a Zoom call. Corporate requires you to do some cold calling, some cold emailing. Uh, so use the phone. Use a system like Street as a plug-in for your leads so that you can keep track of the conversations that you're having. That's really important. I would say also make sure that you understand the lingo of what they're talking about. So join some LinkedIn groups, you know, cheat on Facebook for a minute, go over to LinkedIn, spend more time there, join their groups. Even just knowing what an ERG is, an employee resource group, employee resource groups run major corporations and they're comprised of employees. And oftentimes they have LinkedIn groups. Hop on that, you know, see what you can join. If there's an association, a professional association in relation to what you do or what department you're trying to reach. So if you're trying to reach the marketing department, then you should probably be a member of the American Marketing Association. If you're trying to reach the HR department, you should be a member of the Society of Human Resource Management Association. So knowing those things and which kind of community you should be a part of is going to be a huge, huge piece for you in order to make sure that you have kind of all of the things that you need. I would also say that you need to have in place a proposal template. And that's going to be huge because as you start to get these conversations coming in, they're going to start requesting proposals. Now, even though I said it can take 90 days up to a year for them to actually buy, oftentimes they want that proposal within 24 hours. And so if you aren't prepared for that, it's really not going to be a good look for you. The Small Business Association is great for resources in relation to how to support you in you know, having those proposals and having those pitch conversations. Another resource I would say is get certified. If you are not certified as a women-owned business, a minority-owned business, if you're not certified as an 8A organization, get certified. Because even if you yourself as an organization are not prepared to handle the breadth of a project from, say, a company like UHC, there are tons of other companies that are owned by mediocre men in Minnesota that are more than happy to subcontract through you, right? Because they can't get the contract because it's locked in as something specific. It's, you know, they're giving preference to female-owned businesses or minority-owned businesses. Get certified because those companies will happily subcontract through you and they have the resources, they have the money, they have the tools to support a company of that size, but it's coming in under your name and it's putting notches under your belt. So, you know, get resourceful for that. Um, my last kind of resource, and I know these aren't typical resources or systems that we recommend for B2C or online businesses, but one thing I would recommend is looking to get a line of credit from your bank. A line of credit is going to be very helpful for you in that it's going to allow you to be able to have that extra cash flow because in this world of corporate, cash flow is going to help you with time to hold you over while you're sending out pitches and proposals and trying to get, you know, all of those things set up. This is a great time to do virtual coffee with folks. Reach out and say, can I have a virtual coffee with you? Relationships are really your secret weapon when it comes to corporate. 
Oh yeah. I'm all about relationships. It's my freaking jam. So, and I know you mentioned a lot about team and all of that good stuff. And so talk to us about your freebie that you have for my audience, really about just like how you can start to put a team in place. So go ahead and share with us what that is. Absolutely. So we have a 12 point remote workforce guideline. Now, this is a guideline that we've given a lot of our corporate clients who have moved remote, but it also is really great if you're just starting out and building your team or trying to determine what systems you need for your team. We literally list out these are the things that you need. These are video conferencing systems you need to have in place. These are the capabilities that you need to have ready. And that'll get you even more prepared to handle the workload that comes with having corporate clients. Yeah. I love that. So we'll have that linked up in the show notes, but where else can people find you in the interweb? So website, social media, any of the places. Absolutely. So on social, uh, you can find me at Amber underscore Aziza. Um, you can learn more about me personally at www.amberaziza.com or you can check out more about our companies at aecorporation.com. Perfect. Thank you so, so much. This was so awesome and so dense of like just awesome, awesome tips and strategies around corporate clients. It starts to kind of peel away the veil that is kind of over that. So thank you so much again for sharing your expertise. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the System Save Me podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes or send a screenshot on Instagram while tagging us at System Saved Me.